Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Dewing Grain are independent and local grade traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, they can offer you the best strategies to achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Each week on our podcast, we begin with the Dewing Grain Market Report, giving you up-to-date information and analysis, followed by Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues with a guest or two while sampling a beer. Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and this week's Market Report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows are my thoughts or gut instincts on what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market report for week commencing 6th of March 2023. First thing to talk about is the Doing Podcast Walk, which is this coming Friday the 10th. The what three words destination for you to park is sensual walking masks. Okay. For those of you who don't know how What Three Words works, one day when you're stuck in a corner of a field and something terrible's happened to your machinery or you're in a very bad way for whatever reason, having the ability to give that information via your mobile phone to anybody will get someone directly to you when you're in distress and possibly save your life. So most people knows how it works, I appreciate, but there are a number that apparently do not. So we're being responsible and grown up and teaching you all about it by giving you that as the destination for where our walk starts. We're going to walk from Anchor Street, Coldshill, through to Beeler, down to Wroxham, up the railway track, back to Coldshill again. And at the end of the walk, this time there's a pub, which may interest some of you. Let's move on to the grain market. All seed rate we'll start with. Terrible week. Been absolutely smacked further down. 438x for March. There's a lot of new crop rate being pulled up. There's lots of reasons why rape or oils in the world have got difficulty with production. I think having sat with it, I think I'd just carry on doing that. There isn't that much rape out there. Lots of our stores are getting emptied, so there isn't as if there's a big reserve of the damn stuff. So if you've got stuff left, 438. Harvest value for oilseed rape, 440. That's all I want to say about that oily old stuff today. Old crop feed barley, X farm for April, 203. Not going anywhere, slightly eased off a bit. I actually think, having got rid of all of our feed barley pretty well, that it's going to get quite tight. There's a few more boats sold. I'm not convinced. If someone said, go and buy me some feed barley, I'm not totally convinced I could find any, actually. I mean, sure, if you've got some, let me know. But yeah, I'm glad I'm not short of it. Glad it's out of my store as well, and I'm not spending money in storing it, because the market's just come down. But yeah, that isn't particularly fabulous, is it? Old crop feed wheat, current value, March 218. April 219, same price for May, long of May, very long of May. 222 for June, that encourages some people perhaps to keep it. And 225x for July. So again, if you've got a store and you can, it's not in your way, then there is a decent reward for keeping hold of it. A £7 spread from March to July. Old crop, malting barley, current values, 225 to 230x, something like that, depending on winter or spring or what exactly your grade is. Don't see it going any lower than that, to be honest. And I do think that the molster is going to come back in and possibly secure some of this champagne crop for the future, because it is very rare that you get such a high quality dry product. And it's a good insurance against some sort of weather event in the next two or three months, ruining next year's crop. So largely old crop is kind of dull old stuff and going back to the wheat market it's had a very up and down week 
down and then a diddy bit up. I am still of the opinion old crop wheat is in trouble price-wise, but in the time, and I won't run on too much about this on a weekly basis, but the spread between Nov and May has gone out further. It traded at £3 premium for November over May this week. So what we predicted is coming true, and it is we are now going to be relying upon new crop to have trouble to bring old crop up. And at the moment, there's not enough of a premium for new crop for that to be the case. So there's more room for old crop to come down, whilst new crop, I think, will possibly go with it a bit with sentiment in the short term. But longer term, as we get closer to the May tender and people realise that they're owning something that's quite hard to move and a lot of money to pay for, I think the pressure comes on old crop. New crop, as I say, I think will sit with it. So prices of new crop seamlessly do you see how i did that sort of move from one to the other new crop harvest delivery for feed wheat into one of our stores for immediate movement 207 if you're selling at x farm for november 212 so that's arguably that's about a 15 pound premium for carrying it in terms of x farm equivalent if you look at may 2024 220x and for those of you born before 1980, you'll be able to do the mass and realise it's an £8 carry between Nov and May, which is unusual. It's normally just a pound a month. But a little bit of thinking for you here. We, as a business that manages stores and actually gets grubby doing work, have been looking at our data, because we're dead groovy. Well, actually, we be looking at our electricity bill, and it's enormous. That's the truth of it. So the fact that storing grain, if you do it properly and get the temperatures down, costs an awfully large amount of money now per ton we'll give you a year-end assessment of that when we get to the year end and actually work out for the various stores we've got what it actually means but in reality let's assume electricity is costing us 60p per ton per month now that sounds a lot doesn't it but that includes the dynamic of moving the stuff in and out and all of those other things as well but let's assume it's costing us to keep it If you sell grain at £220 a tonne next year and you put the money on deposit at the bank and you got 3% return for your money, which is achievable, and perhaps a bit more with some other things you can put your money on, that gives you the equivalent of 55 pence per month interest income. So when you're considering selling stuff, you have to take into account very much so now, the cost of physically keeping it in the shed properly. You can't just shove it in there and leave the fans off, as you know, because you end up paying a very big bill for bug infestation and the stuff isn't in condition and you might lose germination or whatever else. It becomes smelly. So it costs you money to physically do it every month that you have it there. The benefit of storing stuff long-term is if you're not actually physically selling it and you're riding the market and you're saying, I think there will be a time for the market to go up later and therefore I will keep this stuff and I'll take my chances. It's a gamble, it's a considered risk. But if you actually are fixing a price, why fix it for May, other than perhaps you're pushing something to the next tax year, when you could sell it for November and gain yourself 55 pence a month interest? Or if you have an overdraft, and let's say you are paying 2% over base, and bearing in mind base may well go up yet, uh, base rate, at 6%, that's £1.10 a month. So if there's only a pound a month carry, which I'm saying there's eight in the price I've just given you, but the six months there is £6.60's worth of interest that you'll be paying to the bank. So there is absolutely no way you're better off by selling it for May. You might as well sell it for Nov, 
take the cash if you've made a definitive sale. So let's possibly look at getting your sheds emptier quicker or moving some of it out quicker, reducing the risk of getting bugs, reducing the cost of blowing that many tons and earning yourself some interest or saving yourself some interest. And I think that is going to become something that most people will have considered all of this and cash flow is becoming a bigger and bigger issue, I appreciate. But for those of you that have numbed out a bit or haven't thought it through, just putting some figures on what it actually makes you per month might just make you think, hang on a minute, yeah, I'm going to let it go earlier. Hopefully that will help someone. So moving back to other commodities, malting barley for harvest time is about 250 for spring barley in that region and 10 quid less than that for winters in round figures. There's talk that there's less need for winter barleys because of the craft brewers being in a bit of trouble with the current people's monetary troubles and buying cheap shite lager instead of decent craft ale. But at the moment, I've heard it all before, whenever people write off the winter barley crop, they've clearly forgotten about when there's a disastrous spring barley crop and all of a sudden winter barley becomes the best thing since sliced bread because that's the only thing they make their beer with. But at the moment, it is slightly subdued. We've got some good markets for our winter malting barley. We've got harvest movement contracts. I think that's one of those things that we shall see what the spring holds and then make more decisions on it. But reasonably healthy prices at the moment. So I've covered rape, haven't I? Feed barley is trading at £17 less than wheat. So the harvest price delivered to one of our stores for feed barley is 190 And if you are selling X farm for November, you'd be 195 So yeah, it's... Yeah, what can I say? That's about, it doesn't sound enough anymore, does it? But that's where it's at. And I think the market is not really going to do anyone any particular favours in the next seven days, especially with, it seems to be all quiet on the Ukraine front at the moment. But by the time this podcast comes out, that could be completely wrong as well. Anyway, with that happy thought, I look forward to seeing some of you at Coltishall on Friday morning at 11am. Last time we had a listener. It'll be interesting to see if we've got more than a listener. But either way, I shall be walking from Coldwell to Wroxham, back to Coldwell along the railway line, and then going having a Swifty in the probably the King's Head afterwards. Anyway, with that happy thought, have a great week. Thank you for listening. Please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours. Pastures Rural Consultancy are an independent firm delivering objective-led rural business advice. Drawing on practical industry experience, they help you achieve your business goals using a three-step approach. Planning and achieving confident profit margins, reducing inputs and maintaining yields, and utilising private and public sector funding streams. We are open-minded, flexible and discreet, which allows us to tailor our service to your specific needs. To organise a free, no-obligation call or visit, head to www.gprural.co.uk or email oscar.spiff at gprural.co.uk. Right, we're going to start today's podcast. It's an in-house job. We've got Ben. Hello. got Ian. Hello. We've got Josh. Hello. And obviously me. We've just had a, a very nice little get-together in the office where Vlad, who's married to a Ukrainian who came over when the war kicked off and with his three kids, and we've got him working at Aylsham now, and he decided, because we're such a nice bunch, to have a little spread of food, of Georgian food, didn't we? It was awesome. We had, whatever knows, I quite enjoy food, generally. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, what, it's delicious. There's still some out there, and I love the way Webby stands up, looks at it, and goes, oh, I'm really full, and <laughs> then just has another bit. 50% of the food was eaten by Ian. 
Four sausages, three sausages. Yeah, what do, I mean, we had a combo of sausages. We had a, uh, what was it, the aubergine and walnut <laughs> paste. That was cool. Yeah. can't remember what it was. Georgian speciality. speciality. Yeah, really good. Yeah, it was, and a sort of quiche thingy, which was more cottage cheese than... Yeah, really good. Egg and yeah, and yeah, and then he brought some Guinnesses one, in, didn't the he? The one that caught me off guard a little bit because I wouldn't have gone for it had I known was rye bread with pig fat on top. Salad. Yeah, but it's a big yeah. Eastern European thing, isn't it? I thought you'd like to eat just pig fat in, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it so was, it was great. I mean, the, I, very, yeah, very enjoyable, really, very good. spontaneous. And Anastasia, his wife, prepared all that stuff, and yeah, yeah it was, that was nice, wasn't it? I so, mean. Typical of Webby, though, isn't there? Middle of a tomato shortage, he goes and eats all Josh's tomatoes and then goes, oh, I thought they were mine. <laughs> yeah, I bought four quid punnet of tomatoes yesterday. I was kind of looking forward to having my lunch. Came through and Webby had put them in his ratatouille, which was, which was actually just a cup of soup, three courgettes, a load of my tomatoes. <laughs> so there you, go. there you go. Webby's had a good day. Yeah, we had a tomato gate this morning, didn't we? But tomatoes are a very high-priced commodity at the moment, as you know. Yeah. It's to do with the weather, not Brexit. Webby's longer than in his tummy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we've had, a, we've had a bit of a treat, and I'm now, um, my beer sampling is Guinness, because mm. that's what Lad bought, and Josh has got one, I see. Yeah, no, I tried one of the other podcast ones. It's uh, Hogsback, uh, Hogstar. It's nice. It's that's good, good isn't it's good it? good beer, yeah. I don't know where it's from, actually. It's very nice. Surrey. Did someone, who bought the Surrey beers? I can't remember. I can't remember either. Do you know what? We've forgotten. So this, this, this discourages anyone for uh, sending us beers because we can't remember who sent them. I'm really sorry. Ho-hum. Anyway, can't be perfect. Mind you, you should all be very grateful, Grain Trade, for the incredibly large amount of money we've made you with our... Yeah. Well, I've already gloated on this one last week, but it was a £7 premium May futures over November, and today it is trading at a £2 to £3 discount. Yeah. So that's £10 per tonne. That if you just listened to this podcast, you'd have made that. How many times do you make ten pound a ton, boys? It's hmm? good. That's phenomenal it? advice. Yeah. Yeah. Doing grain podcast. Yeah, it's like an advert, this, isn't it? Right. Okay. What else is happening? This is an exciting time, isn't it? The market is collapsing. Yeah. But gloomy. I wouldn't say it's a lot of fun having conversations around, is it? Really. Well, it depends if you're short or not, doesn't it? Precisely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what you're saying is the farming community are not very happy with the price of grain. Correct. Right. What would make? Which is understandable. Right. What would, what would make them happy? Two hundred and fifty quid. Right. So, would you like to spend the night with Beyonce? Yes. Is it going to happen? Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> she might not know it. <laughs> Hanging on to the hope is a great thing. It gives you an enjoyable way to spend your life. Others would call that deluded, wouldn't they? It may well get to two fifty. You're absolutely right. Will it go to two hundred? Ooh. I hate to say it, but at the moment I feel that, yeah, it could do. In the worst moment. Yeah. I don't, I don't agree. I don't agree. Yeah, I, I don't agree with me. I think it's too much. I'm sorry, just to correct that, so we're talking 200x farm or 200 in the future? Yeah, yeah I, I see where you're coming from. Yes, 200x farm. Because x farm's I, 10 think, to 12 quid away. I think what will save it is... Sorry, are we boring you, Josh? No, no. no. Just he's reading, the, he's reading, he's reading the highway code. For bikes, yeah. That's yeah. a point. That's yeah. a really good point. Oh, Don't you talk amongst yourselves for a minute about what you're doing. I've got a rule to find out. This is really important. Yeah, no, I was just looking at what nonsense is. Yeah, I, I think it might go to... Well, feed barley's now below 200. Ex-farm. I know feed barley's feed barley. Oh, yeah, but we is. had an interesting chat, didn't we, about old crop feed barley? Yeah, don't think there's that much out there. No, and there's still a reasonable boat programme on. That could get interesting. 
But it's still being priced at a big discount to wheat, so surely it just means the discount comes in, doesn't it? Probably, but then also there aren't that many people I know with feed barley, and really I can't think no, of any at all. Yeah, I agree. There's lots of people with you know a few hundred tons or a thousand tons of wheat kicking about, but no, not mm. a lot of feed barley. I think the thing that will save it is new crop. I'm back, and I found I found the rule. I'm going to read it in a minute. I think the thing that will save old crop wheat from going below 200 is the new crop price. And I appreciate if the weather's perfect, that's a little rubbish because there's an enormous crop coming and we've got a carryover. We aren't going to export enough of the surplus and it's hideous if we look just at the UK. But, 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 if we're saying to the, the number at which the trade, which traders with stores and commitments and costs associated, are saying the discount old to new needs to go to 20 quid, mm-hmm. well, you're there. That's £200 a tonne, isn't it? If... It's got, yeah, but it's got what I think will happen in the time period between now and the end of, say, mid-April. I think we will see a weather story that yeah, agree, yeah. pushes the new yeah. crop price back into the 230s or more. I, yeah. I, I don't know if it, it's going to be built on sand or not, but there's enough people wanting that to happen. And there is a definite belief in the farming sector that the cost of production of wheat is now 220 pounds a tonne. Yeah. So there's cost of production. There's stuff to stop people selling it. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I'm going to read out a rule. Just Josh had this book, Cyclist Highway Code, right? This is for all you lycra-clad... Middle-aged. Middle-aged, <laughs> lycra-clad, fat people <laughs> that were once in their like stick insects, obsessed with Strava, riding along with 74 vehicles behind you. Rule 169. Do not hold up a long queue of traffic, especially if you are, if you are driving a large or slow-moving vehicle. Check your mirrors. Brackets, this is the bit for the cyclists. Cyclists, check around you, close bracket, frequently. And if necessary, this is a really big bit, pull in where it is safe and let the traffic pass. I think that's great. I think, I think you should take this up with uh, Jeremy Vine on Twitter, who's just awful. Not that I follow him, but he comes up. He's a proper cyclist. Is he a proper cyclist? Oh, yeah, of course he is. Well, is he a yeah, yeah, he's London a London cyclist. Yeah, yeah London cyclist, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so everyone should be on cycles. And he luckily lives in the city. Good old Jeremy. That was a slight digression, but that's one of my favourite subjects, as you all know. Yeah. Rule 169. So back to wheat prices, much more important. Oh, do you want to talk no, about Kevin, well, also your point about there's a lot to export. There is, but we there's quite a lot of export going on. There is a lot of export going on mm-hmm. now. Yeah. There's some... Fair old tonnage is shifting yep. out now. Yep. So a million tons in between January and June, with the imports that have come in, mm. it leaves us about a million, doesn't it? I think it's less than that, isn't it? All right then, nine hundred and fifty, nine hundred, eight hundred and fifty, eight hundred, half a million. Uh, yeah. Right. And what size? How many acres of wheat are in the ground for the coming harvest? Just under two million, which is a sixteen million ton crop. Yeah. Unless the weather's terrible. And then the dynamic of the 200 pound a ton X farm for old crop will have gone out the window because the price of new crop will go through the roof and people yeah. will carry it. So it's, I mean, the scenario. Yeah, there's, there's all to play for. Well, it's, there is a lot of wheat being exported in the spot month in April. How many farmers are actively pushing their wheat out the door in those months? There's a few people with contracts we were a bit behind on because of the bird flu and stuff like that. So we're trying to play catch up. March, should, we should catch up with ourselves on that. But farmers are going to be very busy in that period and in April, and they don't really want to get going till May, do they? Yeah, true. And then it's a bit late to clear the rest of it. And then what if, this is a good one, what if we get an early harvest? 
What would happen? We've well, just got more pressure, haven't you? Just well, got... Whoever's got old crop futures wheat stock and a storekeeper saying, I'm sorry, it's got, to be, it's got to be out of there. We've got one store we're prepared to carry wheat in this year, but all the other stores are going to be empty. They've got to be empty because we carried over some stuff from last year. We want it out. Because of the size of the crop coming, we're going to drop one of our stores for the coming harvest. We're increasing our, our capacity at Cantley, but we're a little bit lower. Yeah. So the only store we're going to carry over on is South Pickenham. Yeah. All right? And then all the other ones have got to be empty. So the penalty rents are going to be, get it out. I'm not going to carry it. I'm not going to buy it back off you. So I'm telling everybody that very early because it's important for us to get it cleared. The, the biggest mystery to me, and we can't really speculate with names on this, it's kind of, we, we do it every now and again, then don't upset people, so I'll be grown up for a change. But the biggest speculation is who owns the May Futures? Because the person who's owned them between November and May, I'm pretty certain is going to retender them. And I'm 95% certain it's going to retender them. They're certainly not going to use them. Now, either they're going to do a deal direct with somebody who's going to want to pick them up, but I can't see who that's going to be. Or it's going to go through the futures exchange and someone is sitting flat long of May futures. We're flat short. We've got another 15,000 tonnes to tender on top of the 40-odd we've already got in here. So that's, you know, it's not just us who's going to tender. You know, there was a tender. The Sudbury store tendered 10 lots or 11 lots in in March, which clearly indicates that that store is full and the balance of it must be on the May position. And then you've got the Kent stores. Cam Grain had 10,000 tonnes registered. Whether that's going to come in or not, I don't know. There's a lump in Rands that hasn't been brought on yet as well, isn't there? All of those people carried it from Nov to May. If the futures price continues to trade at a £3 discount to, you know, the futures are £3 discount to physical, there's no way it makes any mathematical sense to take them out of store, does it? It always is a game of pay. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens. Who owns the futures? Who is the owner of those futures? When it comes out, you've got to have a pretty hefty shipping programme, I suggest. Yeah. Or a big fleet of lorries that like travelling north a lot. Yeah, I agree, yeah. I've got you all thinking now. Ben's got his thinking face on. Yeah, I'm just... And also, with the price of wheat down here, when the, you know, do Ensis and Vivergo start to calculate again, or is corn still the order of the day? I don't. Well, they're still working, aren't they, on wheat? I don't think they're working as flat out as they could be, are they? No, well, Vivergo's had a few troubles, haven't they? They haven't been able to get the place going properly. It's kind of... Yeah. fits and starts and they, I believe that one of their suppliers had to do a cargo out of Immingham to get rid of some of the stock that had built up so that definitely hasn't worked at full tilt no. but Ensis is still on wheat and corn is more expensive anyway yeah so it, that's going to be the case for the time being we are UK wheat is cheap it is cheap but there isn't a natural flow of the product piling out of the country from every single farm and every single store at this moment because the maths don't work it doesn't make sense to do it that's my point. Anyway, what else? <laughs> Are you bored yet? Everyone's looking really bored with my usual. No, we're just running. really full. Yeah. <laughs> After all that food, it's like, oof, blind. That's nice of him, though, isn't it? It's That's nice. fantastic, yeah. He likes us. Yeah, he does. He actually got me a signed Arsenal shirt as well from Zinchenko, which is quite cool. What? Vlad. Yeah, he got me a signed. He knows Alexander Zinchenko, and I was like, nah, you know, of course, you know, awesome, great. And then a few weeks ago, in the office, he goes, oh, open this. And he got a signed Arsenal shirt saying, you know, for Josh Dewing, Alexander Zinchenko, all with his shirt signed off. Quite cool. Jesus. Yeah. If I was 12 or 13, that age, that would have been the best thing ever. Still pretty cool now. Really cool now. Yeah. What's the best thing ever now? I don't know. Other things. (laughs) (laughs) 
next week, I've got one more week of doing the podcast. Then we've got the... I'm away for two weeks. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go do some cold water swimming. Congratulations. Yeah. I'm, you know, everyone does this for fitness. I'm going to go out there and go in the ocean. Yeah. And, I'm and how cold is the it. ocean you're swimming no, it's pretty, in? Well, it's this time of year. It's cold, isn't it? Let's face it. It's, it takes a, yeah. takes no, a man to go in that water. It's 28 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> Celsius. 28 degrees. Celsius. It's really oh, cold, man. Andrew. Yeah. Don't. You could have picked me up then. Yeah, you could have, yeah. like, <laughs> I got to see the Northern Lights and then go swimming in the sea. No, yeah. Not really. You can see the Northern Lights in Suffolk yesterday, by the way. And Norfolk. And Norfolk over the last few days. And even Kent, apparently. I haven't seen it. Have you seen it? No. Hmm. Anyway. I'm, yeah. No, so, yeah, so, I'm, uh, so who's going to do the podcast? Oh, yeah. Be, well, it's going to be me, isn't it? Because uh, Webby will go, I'll do it, and then he won't. I challenge all of you, Join all three of you, have got to take the kit out and interview someone. And it'll sit there with a Brian Alamy-type conversation and have a little chat and ask them questions, listen to the answers, and then, you know, let the conversation flow as professionally as I do, like Michael Parkinson back in the day. I want you to have it very slick and see what it's like. I'm going to go and interview Ian's wife. (laughs) That'll be fascinating. In the caravan. (laughs) I think she's cooking you tea tonight after that. Complete casserole, four sausages. I do, I do all the cookies. I do, I do all the cookies. Oh, actually, you're not going to eat tonight. No. Okay. Sorry. I, I mean, she's going to get hungry as well. Going back to old. <laughs> <laughs> right. Coming back to other things. Vlad still hasn't done his thing, has he? Vlad, uh, not our Vlad, because he definitely did do his no, thing. No, he's done time. his thing. Definitely. But yeah, you know, Vladimir Putin, yeah. everyone's favourite, is. Yeah not done the terrible thing. What can he do? He's been given a plan from China to say, here's a peace plan, you can keep the Donbass, we'll give you a load of weapons. Yeah. By the way, you've got to keep the corridor open because we want cheap food. Yeah. And he's gone, oh, right then. Yeah, but you need Ukraine to sign up for that, and Ukraine are quite rightly saying, hang on a minute, the Donbass is ours. You know? yeah, but you, you were saying, Josh, that there's a load of activity on Twitter about the warships in Black Sea, didn't you? Yeah, no, they, just, they seem to be fortifying the border with Moldova as well. A lot of Ukraine does. But um, yeah, apparently there's there's a load of uh, more activity from um, Russian warships leaving ports to go into the Black Sea. What exactly to do what, I don't know. But there seem, seems to be a build-up of things. You see, that's a little bit worrying, isn't it, with the Grain Corridor, Russian warships. Things can get a little bit heated, can't well, they? Well, he's taken recent events... It's not front page news like it was a year ago, but it's, yeah. it's clearly there's a lot of fighting going on. But he hasn't really made any great impression, and I get the you get the impression that he is in fact up for a grand moment shortly. He wants something. Feels like he needs something, doesn't he? Yeah. So that is the catalyst to all of our bearish. The mood of everything could change depending on how dastardly the trick is. But what what we can't do is strategically plan what his next move no. is, can we? No, his next trick, God knows. I mean, I think in the Chinese peace plan it said, you know, nuclear weapons must be ruled out at all costs, but... That's good. Yeah, but, you know, do you have to write that? Yeah, probably. Um, Can't can't really get lost in translation, that one. (laughs) But, I mean, I think the biggest issue, if you go back 12 months, the the fears and the woes of the world about all of this and the fact that uh, Ukraine were a big supplier, at that point, obviously, it was before... The, the corridor was negotiated because it was just all happening at once. The issue for me is production for this coming harvest will be significantly lower again, as we know. Yeah. And ongoing, there's got to be a reduction. Yes, there's a lot of troubles with the people who were farming, 
the available land. Some well, of the available cash for the Ukrainian farm to get hold of, there isn't any. Well, is it right to subsidise food production beyond what the Ukraine needs itself yeah. or the rest of the world for exports at effectively a loss potentially per tonne versus any aid coming in going to hospitals, roads, bridges houses, etc, etc. Yeah, tough sell. So I can't see the farming lobby gaining much traction when there is enough production in the Ukraine for itself to feed itself. Yeah. So that I don't see the Ukraine producing massive surpluses for the foreseeable five, six, seven, eight, ten years. I think it's going to take a long time to get back up to that. And I, I don't see foreign firms being allowed necessarily to pile in, take over land that maybe the farmer got killed while fighting for Ukraine. You know, there's a whole load of politics yeah. in there. I, I, I don't see it could be easy for commercial farming decisions to be able to go and suddenly take advantage of better prices and produce bucket loads of it just to export it. Uh, yeah, and then there's the trouble of the local countries like Romania that have been completely undermined by much cheaper Ukrainian wheat. It's, it's, yeah, it's, Romania, Hungary. It's created yeah. its own problem which could be solved by the Ukraine not having a surplus. So you take them off the pitch as a surplus provider for about the next 10 years, and you have a much tighter world stock without there being any weather woes on top of it. And that, that I think, is a bigger issue, taking a longer-term view. So prices of cereals, I think, will naturally continue to be firm. That's why, you know, £200 a tonne is probably the bottom, other than little pips and starts where it goes lower. That's my thinking. No, it's logical. I got there's no, yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I can. It's also yeah, come down a hell of a long way, hasn't it? It really has come down a long way. Do you think people should be selling it or not? Then <laughs> <laughs> do I think should be selling it? Should have sold it two weeks ago, and so should we. I don't think twenty twenty three crop will be. This is a risk of your money, not mine. So if you're listening to this and thinking oh, he knows what he's talking about. It's, nobody knows what they're talking about on this subject. But I do think that in between now and the end of May, we will see the price of November wheat higher than it is today. And I'm basing that upon my theories about climate change, weather, politics, but mainly the weather. I think there'll be something that spooks people and there'll be people coming in to cover. And what they can't afford, the risk, the downside isn't that great, you know? in between now and the end of April, if it went down to £140 a tonne, people wouldn't put fertiliser on and be a waste of their time, <coughs> yeah. right? Yeah. So there's a trigger there. So that the risk is limited to 20, 30 quid. And the upside is, well, one year ago today, it had gone up probably £30 from 200 and it went to 360 So the upside is we've seen volatility. We're now seeing volatility with, with the potential of even less production than there was 12 months ago. So yeah. And obviously the story on the wheat, funnily enough, Matif rapeseed has cacked out old yeah. crop. But I've been talking about fairy dust and five hundred yeah. pounds a ton, which at this moment seems utterly hideous, but you know, what is it, five hundred and how much? No, four hundred and thirty. Be four hundred and thirty five roughly old crop. Yeah. yeah. Well by Friday it'll probably have changed again, won't it? But yeah, that one really is quite ugly and i can't quite get it well it still doesn't look right when you look at the soya bean chart the canola chart you know they have up 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 with dips rapeseed has just gone forget it and given up the ghost but you know we're hearing about you know new crop fields being ripped up 
problems with crops there. He has a lot of that. I was talking to one of the seed firms, Warren Sand in Suffolk, and they've sold way more spring barley than they thought because they've just been ripping up rapeseed because of flea beetle. And, you know, a couple of people who trade with Dan and Essex said exactly the same thing. Yeah. That flea beetle, I think, has come back with a storm. Doesn't the frost get to those little chaps? Well, you thought so, but obviously mm. the little buggers have survived it. Right. So that potentially longer term has helped for the new crop price. Yeah, but old crop seems to be in the doldrums. Don't see the point in chucking in the towel myself, just blazing it out for another month. Go for the glory. Whatever. One thing I think is interesting, we've ditched all of our feed barley now. We've got we've got some contracts to complete, but we're not aware of any feed barley left on farm. Yeah, we discussed that when you were reading your cycling book. Oh, did you? Yeah. I thought of something on that, by the way, while we're talking about this. So it says that people should pull over if they're slowing up traffic, which a lot of farmers do, don't they? Especially around harvest when they're on the roads. They'll do it. So cyclists do exactly the same thing, but they don't. And their bikes, which are made out of carbon fibre, are not going to be good for the environment, are they? Oof. Oh, there's a gene. Oh, the gene. the Gillian family are back on one of their favourite <laughs> subjects. Yeah, cyclists. We got, we got okay. unity. We agree with something, Josh. Now yeah, you see, shocking. we all know I like going for a lunchtime cycle. Yeah, this is the thing about cyclists. They all think it's about them. <laughs> <laughs> it's in fact it's about the seventeen cars behind them. You're absolutely right. All right. <laughs> well, what do you do for your lunchtime exercise, Ian? Walk to m sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Walk into the fridge. <laughs> Inbox as well, close to the office door as he possibly can. No, I walk to the car, get in the car, and then I walk from the car to... I bet your steps are under a 1,000 a day. <laughs> On my phone, it has recorded that for you. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty bad, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that is really bad. We got. A, you did lose loads of weight, didn't you? Yeah. I haven't put it back on yet. Mm. Well, you have to do. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. Don't weigh yourself in the I, morning. I couldn't bring myself to get on a bike. I don't really enjoy cycling. I, I didn't mind the walks, and I, I should go to the gym. And you're going to drive past the gym every morning on your way to work. Yeah, yeah. no, I'll do that. Yeah, you do drive past one. Yeah, well, I've got the caravan <laughs> and the kids. I? Yeah, fair. Yeah, I love that. I've got the caravan and the kids. <laughs> the heaviest weight at the gym every... is. Hang on. Heaviest weight at the gym is the front door. Yeah. <laughs> I do think no, it's I do, good. actually. You can walk around the estate. I mean, unlike Ben, I do the family bit in the mornings and get the girls ready for nursery or, you know, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> Have you never heard the heaviest weight in the gym is the front door? No, that is your most profound saying yet, Andrew. You have to go through it. You have yeah. to, you have to oh, actually, no, I get that. If you go into the gym... Hang on a minute, I've got Webby telling me I don't look after my own children. <laughs> which is slightly unbelievable, considering he's changed four nappies <laughs> since they've been born. And like one of them comes in, who's that, Ian? Dunno, dunno. <laughs> Tiggy, Frank is one of them, you know. I think, in, you know, private little thought of my own is, uh, you know, you have two sons, Ben, and Webby has two daughters. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> No, no, yeah. someone else has earmarked Ian's daughters for his children, hasn't he? Yes, they have, actually, Niall. Yeah, Niall, who used to work in the grain store, has lined up little Lord Fonsalroy, as he used to call him. Right, what other commodities? We've covered the commodities. What other farming? Uh, what else well, the one, well, the one that has been a real baller of a commodity has been feed beans, hasn't it, Webby? Uh, yeah, but I tell you what, you're conversations you came out with us being someone in the bean trade who hadn't heard that 
that you came What's out. What's happened to the beans? Well, basically, so there was talk that there was vessels of UK origin beans being rejected from Scandinavia for high metallic content or trace of metallic content, which I think Ben's comments are it's, it must be something to do with, I'm assuming it must be a desiccant because what other sprays did you put on beans? It's nothing for brew kids, I don't think. I don't not know. This is news, I don't know. Yeah, and anyway, apparently they've been turned around, but then I, I suppose some of the bean trade was unaware. So I don't know what to think, but I mean, that's quite a negative thing for UK beans. If well, my, my experience of beans are if you put them through any form of storage facility, they take the edges off the, off the beans. It's probably yeah, the beans they've got in. No, that's childish. Thing. If anyone knows what the answer to this question, then but, let us know. But I think well, it may, it may make sense say. because I think probably the Scandies would use them as a human consumption product, probably. Yeah. And they will have very fine tolerances. They will probably not be using feed beans as out and out feed beans. Okay, well, I would like, if someone does know the answer to this question, we don't. We only do about, you know, 10 tonnes of beans a year. So let us know what exactly the problem is with those boats. With them, You know, we need to know these things. We'll happily broadcast it. But we are ignorant to the facts on it, aren't we? We've had a conversation this week within the industry about electronic passports. For those of you who remember one of my favourite rants in the past about them and the apparent done deal it was going to be, it struck a chord. There's a whole load of the industry who aren't working for major corporations who kind of all put their heads together to say, hang on a minute, not overwhelmingly happy with this. And between us... There's a group that we've kind of got a focal point to get a group together. Say, so just hang on a minute. Just because it's getting apparently pushed through, and the great and the good on the committee are saying, right, this is what we we want, and the world wants it, and everyone's going to be happier for it. There is a bit of a groundswell against it. So that's been. We've, there's been a couple of Zoom meetings this week, or Teams meetings, which I've been involved in, and I'm not the leader of it, but you know, several of the points we made on our podcast have been agreed with and there's been some others attached on top so it's i don't think it is necessarily a done deal despite the kind of keenness of certain major corporations to push it through it's certainly highlight i didn't realize quite how much strength there is against it should i say um you know there's more people than what i thought yeah i mean what i would say just to be clear is that i think the trade the industry agrees that the passport has to change there has to be an evolution yeah because just having this bit of paper, yeah, that's not ideal. But you're right, you know, every farmer just has one assurance number and everyone knows that that farm's assured, you just load. You don't need the paper passport then. Yeah, just have the number on yeah. there. If you don't need to do any of this, you know, complete data backup stuff, no. because you've got the answer. And if it has been treated, a piece of paper, if it's been treated... We should cut 95% of the paper out of the system. Yeah, and also there's that, you know, there's all the, all the haulier fills in his last three loads. Every haulier knows what he can't carry in his last three loads. So, you know. The minute that Liz Trust did the deal with Australia completely nullified the whole point of the passport. I know we love having traceability and it makes us look really clever and wonderful and look how good we are. But this is the Brexit red tape moment. Why on earth are we doing it? For what reason? If yeah. the price of wheat from Australia is cheap enough, it will be bought into the UK and there will be no traceability. There will be the, you know, the odd spider and snake, perhaps, but it will be, makes all of the stuff that we're doing completely futile. Yeah. And people, if you dare to stand up and say, why are we doing this? You do get accused of being a Luddite. You do get accused of being the stupid child that says the emperor is naked. And everyone goes, oh, no, he's got beautiful clothes on. 
because you're rebelling against IT. That isn't the point. We all use I've, I've even got a new iPhone 14. I'm, oh, I'm that yeah. modern. So it's like I accept it. I embrace it where it's necessary. But is it? You have to ask a question. Is it necessary? That's kind of where some of us have got to with it. Yeah, and I, I, I think that, you know, again, coming back to your point, you just, just lose the passport, lose the bit of paper. Every farmer has a number. They get audited once a year. Us or the consumer types that number in. Oh, yeah, he's in the green. He's passed. Go. Don't need a bit of paper. Yeah. And you don't need this whole new IT system that they were thinking about with the e-passport to integrate all this system all the way along. We, you could go the other way and make it so simple, Andrew. And I, yeah, your red tape thing is bang on. Yeah, and then if you step into the let's make it electronics, you physically have to do the same thing as if you had the piece of paper. You're then open to the hacking, you're then open to the IT glitches, you're then open to the whole system being in the hands of someone who charges you money for upgrading it every six months. And it's just money, money, chuck money away and have red tape. It's work in motion, but it doesn't mean that you're an idiot if you don't agree with it. It means you're prepared to actually go, why are we doing this? And I think every business has to do that about every action. Anyway, so we're recording this midway through the week. There's nothing, you know, we've covered the ground pretty well, haven't we? By Friday, the market could have gone through the roof or through the floor. (laughs) Ben and I have got a bet that the futures will trade today. I'm saying it will trade at 223 on the May futures. I'm saying it won't. When we came into the room, it didn't look very likely. Hang on, maybe he's now checking. And I doubt it has. Will I get my fiver, Ian? No, what do you mean it's close? Yeah. Uh, 2-2-3-50. 2 2 What was the last trade? Uh, 2-2-4-50. Yeah, no, looks like I'm five a down, Ben. Okay. Well, hang on, you've still got... An hour. An hour. And I'm not allowed to sell And your myself. iPhone 14. Yeah, well, 14. Anyway, how easy is that to transfer all the data, though? I don't know, I didn't do it. I sort of saw you press a couple of buttons and it would look really easy to me. Yeah. Precisely, a couple of buttons and stuff. I think that was a bit of a, a snipe at uh, Panas. What the uh, Androids. Samsung, yeah. Samsung. Yeah. Okay, well, right. everybody, thanks for that. Thank and, you. Um, have a good week's trading. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they are released and follow us on Twitter. We are at Dewing Grain. Call Dewing Grain on 01263 731 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by East Coast Design Studio in Norwich.